Hey everyone, welcome to Ask the Experts podcast with Alcom. I'm so truly grateful to each and every one of you who come back week in and week out to listen, learn, and grow. As always, so grateful for your valuable time. Ask the Experts connects you to experts who can help you to scale your business or situation. So excited for my guest today, Zolaika Tepesmana. She is from Lugano. She studied at Franklin University, whereby she was studying broadcasting and production and received her bachelor's degree from Long Island University. Whilst in Lugano, Zolaika suffered a traumatic train accident. As a result, she lost her left arm and leg, receiving extensive therapy both in Lugano and Zurich. I'm pleased to say Zuleika has gone on to be an inspiration and she has embarked on a new journey, creating an awareness in the disabled community bringing an inspiration with impaired mobility and how she can inspire others to embark on their own journey. So I'm excited to bring Zuleika. Welcome Zuleika on Ask the Experts podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for giving me this opportunity and this platform to share my story. I really appreciate that you reached out to me and that we have been able to do this. Thank you. Absolutely. Why not? Because, you know, it's, it's so incredible. Um, anyone going through adversities, you know, it is, it is a challenging time for most of us, but it's the inspiration that you have, you are thriving. So if I can share, if I can ask, the accident that you had suffered, can I ask you to share with us what happened at that moment watched in Lugano? Can you share with us what happened? Yes. The accident so, you suffered? Yes, yes. I, I would be I would be happy to. Um, so I'm actually originally from New York. I'm American. I'm from New York, born and raised. And ever since I was a little girl, I had heard all about studying abroad in Europe and in Italy. And it became sort of a fascination with me to have the opportunity to visit these places and to see a little bit outside of the world that I lived in, in New York. Um, so I decided through my university back home, Long Island University, to look into the possibility of doing a study abroad program in Europe. And the program that they offered was a program in Switzerland. So I decided to come to Switzerland, to Lugano, and to embark on this new journey for about a semester or two. But I think it started off as, as one semester to start with. So I, I came as a student and two months into my my trip into my stay here in Lugano, I had this train accident. So my friends and I were on our way to Amsterdam for a weekend, and we were very excited. We heard all about the the amazing things to see there. You know the the Heineken Museum, the Anne Frank House, the 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 amazing the amazing um nightlife that everyone talked about that everyone boasts about when you think of Amsterdam and my friends and I said okay well we we want to be a part of this we want to we want to explore this and and see see it for ourselves so we decided to take this trip for a weekend to Amsterdam and unfortunately I never made it to Amsterdam that day so the day of the the trip we noticed that the train was running late. Uh-huh. We noticed that it um, hadn't arrived on time. So I went to go 
and figure out what was happening and right. so that I could report back to my friends. Um, by the time I, I got through the queue, through the line at um, the ticket booth, um, the train had already arrived. And the, the the man at the ticket booth said to me, you know, the train your train is actually already here. You know, you should try to go get it. You should make sure that, you know, hurry so you can so you don't miss it. Right. So I, I run to the the, the 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 back to my platform where the train was supposed to be. And when I got there, the train was already there and my friends were already on the train. Everyone had already basically um gotten on the train already. And at that point, the train started to depart very slowly uh-huh. and a door was held open for me. And as an instinct, I decided to run and right. try to get on this train and not miss the train. Right. In my mind, in that moment, I was, I was 21 in college. And in my mind, all I could think of was, I don't want to miss out. Right. I don't want to miss the opportunity of having an amazing weekend in Amsterdam with my friends. Mm-hmm. So I decided in that moment, I'm going to try to run for it. I'm going to try to get on this train. There's a door open. I'm going to jump on this train. At that point, when I made that decision to get on the train, the train started to pick up speed. And I held on to a bar near the door to jump on the train. And in, in that very moment, I lost my footing and I slipped. I I, I lost um, control of of my balance and I fell under the train oh. as the train was picking up speed. Oh. So in that moment, I fell under the train and that was when I lost my my left arm and my left leg. And when I landed, I landed face down. So I was my I was um with my my face facing down and I didn't lose consciousness I um which many many times people will probably say is a bad thing but I actually think is a was a good thing that I could remember everything Uh that it's been 20 years since it happened and I still remember it moment for moment moment by moment and it has stayed with me in in all the right ways that it should but um I knew then in that moment when it happened that I had lost my left arm and my left leg because I could feel it. Right. I tried to make a, a fist with my left hand and I couldn't. I tried to curl my toes and I couldn't. So it took a while for the paramedics to arrive and um, it took about maybe 10 minutes. Uh-huh. And once they did, they were able to lift me out of the train tracks and obviously into an ambulance. Right. Um, and thankfully I was sedated and, 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 and put under after that and, and given very copious amounts of, of morphine and, and drugs after that. Well, Zaleka, I'm so sorry to uh, what you had gone through. Um, but I'm going to stick on to the positive because it's the positive mm-hmm. that you are today. Of course. Sharing your story here with us. Now, and as I talked about in the beginning, adversities, um, any one of us who has gone through any kind of adversities, today, you know, the, the traumatic accident that you have suffered. But in spite of that, you are thriving and you are a positive person today. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us in that moment what you just shared with us, your story? Thank you for sharing, first of all. Um, really appreciate you. So can you share with us what was going through your mind and what what was your coping mechanism after the accident? Was there a mechanism? Was How did you begin to cope? You know, I, I I often get asked that question. Um, in fact, in, in interviews or just even in conversation when I meet people mm. in a social event or um, in a public space where I just start having a conversation with someone, many people will ask me that, how I coped and, and where I found my positivity, where I found faith or where I found hope. And I think it's a very gradual process. I don't think there's a very clean cut 
and direct answer to that. Mm-hmm. I think everything in life is a journey and a journey, yeah. even a trauma is a journey. There is no easy way around a trauma and a tragedy. Just like there's no easy way around anything that's a hardship or a challenge in life, right? Yeah. I think the biggest problem that we have as humans is that we think we shouldn't have any problems, right? And when we have them, we think that the the solution should just be very straightforward and direct and clear. And oftentimes it isn't. Uh Oftentimes that answer is very muddled, it's very blurry, and it's very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So what helped me cope over the years has changed over the years. Yeah. And what helped me cope then was probably the realization that what had happened to me wasn't going to not happen anymore. It, was, it wasn't going to reverse. It wasn't going to, I wasn't going to go back in time and be myself again or be the person that I was before the Excellent. accident. Exactly. So what happened to you was not going to define you. Exactly. Who you but are. it's a process. It's such a journey to get to that point. And oh, yeah. you can say that now with confidence. And I can say that now with confidence 20 years later, like it doesn't define me, my disability and mm-hmm. my accident doesn't define me. But it takes such a long journey mm-hmm. and so many lessons and so many moments of being vulnerable and being sad and being depressed to get to that point. You know, I think right. if we if we all suddenly just became these positive individuals with anything that happened to us, we really wouldn't know what it means to be a mm-hmm. positive individual. I think in order to be a positive individual, you have to be a negative one too. You have to be a sad one. You have to be someone who went through those emotions first, you know, to know what it's like to then have joy and peace and all the other emotions. Absolutely, 100%. You've got to face those dark moments and it's those dark moments you know I can relate to my story the dark moments in my life really helped shape me and it can help and shape any one of us but it's the journey like I said you know if you're facing those dark moments those traumatic times those traumatic times help to shape you who Mm -hmm. you are today as an individual and how you respond to situations mm-hmm. and respond to to people on the outside world. Mm-hmm. So it's your story, your your journey that really helps to shape you. So the mm-hmm. lessons that you that you have learned when you were when you had the the accident, what were the lessons that you can share with us that um, disabled people um, can really begin to shape their lives and also share with us was were there any insecurities that you had faced even afterwards oh massive massive insecurities feelings of self-worth you know feeling of not being enough feeling of being defined by my disability by what people see, at the end of the day, all of those things are true. And that is what I learned, that people will perceive you the way that they want to perceive you. And people, we're all coming from a place of programming and conditioning and a place of our own experiences. And according to that, we will judge others by how we would judge ourselves, right? Um, So all of those things that you think maybe someone might be thinking of you, Sometimes they are thinking those things. Sometimes they're not. Hmm. But I think the key to all of that is to be okay with either either side of that coin. Right. And I think it's, for me, again, it's been such a long journey of accepting that, of accepting that someone might not, might not understand me or might not accept me because of my disability or they might not be okay with it. But it takes a while to get to that point. It takes a lot of, you know, hardships, a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges in life, and a lot of moments of self-doubt, a lot of moments when you're not sure if you can do this or not, a lot of moments of vulnerability. But but you realize at one point that while you're sitting here judging yourself or thinking that others are judging you, you're missing out on the bigger picture, which is Mm. life, living life and 
being surrounded by the people that don't judge you. I, I think sometimes we focus so much more on the people that do judge us and the, the things that we're lacking and we forget about the abundance. We forget about the people that come into our lives and make it better. The people that come into our lives and give us strength. The people that come into our lives and create more abundance and gratitude. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes we focus more on the people that might be judging us, that might be making our lives more difficult, right. or that might not think we're enough. So I think for me as a disabled person, it was it was sort of changing that program in my brain that being disabled means meant that I wasn't enough, that I would always be judged by my disability. And chances are that's true. It might be true. There might be some people out there who judge me for my disability and say, oh, but can she do it? Right. Can she do that physically because right. of her disability? Uh -huh. Or a man might think, well, can she be in a relationship if she's disabled? Can she do this? You know, there will right. be that person who will judge me for that. But that is not my responsibility. No, you know, absolutely. That is absolutely. not my responsibility. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. It's not your responsibility. But you, uh, what you just said, oftentimes we, uh, we judge other people, what others are thinking of us. So it yeah. comes down to having that low, uh, that self-worth. So, and, it, and it's also being a, a victim. You, you never thought yourself, you know, being a victim, but a victor. And that's exactly what it is. You can easily well, yes. say to yourself, okay, I'm the victim. Um, you know, I can't go on mm -hmm. having that victim mindset. But you chose not to. Well, it was a choice, exactly. But again, you have to be in that position mm. to then see the other side, to then realize that the other side is more enticing or more fulfilling as a life, right? I was in that on the other side of that, which was being the victim. You know, I didn't leave my house for about a year after my accident. I, I After my accident, I did rehabilitation in Zurich. And then I came back to Ticino, to Lugano, where I live now. And I didn't leave my house where I was staying back then anyway. I didn't leave that place for about a year right. because I didn't think that I could cope with the, the real world anymore or that the real world couldn't cope with me, that people would stare at me for the wrong reasons. And that lasted for about a good year. I got away oh. with a good year of doing that until I realized that I wasn't living. Until okay. I realized that I was allowing myself to become this victim of my own mentality that mm -hmm. I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't going to meet anyone, that I wasn't going to have a life, that I wasn't going to be able to belong anymore. Um, so I became a victim of all of those thoughts that I had in my mind because I really believed them. Mm -hmm. uh, it took a good year for me to realize, well, wait a minute, here I am not doing anything with my life other than feeling sorry for myself. Mm -hmm. And all my friends are all moving on. All my friends were graduating from university, mm -hmm. moving into new homes, meeting potential, you know, spouses and, and, and meeting people and going on dates. And I was in my apartment on my own every day, feeling sorry for myself. Right. I went, at, at one point, you do get to that point, that crossroad, you know, where you think, well, how long can I go? How long can I go doing this? How long That's can right. I last? Yeah. And how much of a fulfilling life am I leading here by doing this? And it was in that moment that I really had to ask myself, is this the life that you want? Is this the, is this the, the message that you have to give? And it wasn't. Right. So share with us in that year when you didn't step out of your home. Mm -hmm. What what was going through your mind? What share with us like you know, the steps that you took then to overcome and said, okay, enough is enough. I need to move on and to live my life the best way possible. Well, I think as I said, it was it was definitely not an easy moment in my life. But you know, I always tell people that everything happens for a reason. And even these moments of depression and sadness are there to teach us something. Mm 
Right. So while I believe in moving on and making the best of life and being positive, I'm still very grateful for the for that year that mm-hmm. I did that because in that year I learned a lot about myself. I learned about my emotions. I learned about the person that I was after the accident. And I learned I, I learned to give myself that space, that time to really decipher, to really break down what had happened to me. So it was it was actually very pivotal. It was essential that I I had that year to myself because I think if I would have pretended that everything was okay, I wouldn't have let the more authentic life that I'm living now. Absolutely. I think I think the key to anything in life, especially a trauma like that or any moment that is is significantly harder is to accept it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Accept that moment for what it is and accept that it makes you sad. Accept that there's a vulnerability attached to that moment, to that trauma, to that challenge, because that vulnerability exists for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there to make us stronger. It's there to make us learn more about who we are and how we want to move past that. Exactly. And And then that... And it builds courage, you know, because with vulnerability always comes courage and you build that, you know, that courage because you realize that it's there. It's a little dormant in that moment, but you know that it's there. And I think for me, it was those gradual moments of getting to know myself again, of slowing down with that emotion and saying, okay, this is what I'm feeling now. I'm feeling sad. I'm depressed. I'm feeling maybe useless. I'm feeling like I don't have a part in this world. But what do I do with those emotions? Where are they coming from? Mm-hmm. And how can I make peace with those emotions without pushing them away, without always saying, no, 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 I have to be better. I have to be more positive. I have to be cool. I have to be, you know, no, just really sitting down and facing that moment for what it is. And facing that sadness for what it is and allowing it to take over your life, but being aware of it. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. when we're not aware of it, we let things go for way too long. But I think when you're aware of that emotion in that moment, you're aware of it and you're thinking, okay, I'm really sad. And "Mm, I've been sad for maybe a bit too long now. Maybe it's time to switch. To snap out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I love what you just said accept the emotions because emotions you know they're going to come and go but when they do come embrace it accept it and then I love also what you said the person you you didn't know who you are but then who you became Mm -hmm. and I think that is so powerful when we can learn to accept when we can learn to shift and see who who is Zalika today who is mm-hmm. she? She's an inspiration. She's an inspiration to so many people, not in the disabled community, but to inspiration to so many. And mm-hmm. I think that is the power. That's where the power truly lies when we can slowly learn to shift in that moment. Mm-hmm. Would you say? Yes. Agree. Definitely. Definitely. But being kind to yourself in the process, you know, and knowing that we each have our own very, very individual pace with anything that we do and and being kind to that, being kind with that journey and knowing that we are all very different. And even if maybe it might take one person three months to bounce back and be fine again with the world, it might take others more than that. It took me a, a good year before I said, okay, now I'm going to try this. Now I'm going to see what happens. Now I'm going to go to the supermarket. Right. Now okay. I'm going to go out with a friend. Uh-huh. Now I'm going to think about maybe getting a job. Now I'm going to go on an interview. Let's see what happens. And then when I started to see that things were not so difficult, you know, in terms of getting back out into the real world, and I started to see that there was this whole abundant world waiting for me out there. <clears throat> I suddenly wanted more of that. I suddenly wanted Amazing. more, take more of those steps, more of those steps. It's like, wait a minute, I can do this. I, I, I'm doing it differently. Not like I did it before, but I can do this. And mm-hmm. I want more of that. I want more of this. I want more of this abundance and, and these moments of, of joy, you know, because those moments do come back. 
they do come back exactly and as you said you know those moments accepting those moments wanting those moments because there's nothing like that and you you talked about courage and I want to talk also about resilience because so you achieved tremendous resiliency can you share with us what are the keys to success for being for overcoming the adversities and being resilient that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think for me, I would say for me, the, the the biggest key to my resilience has been, I've always kept in mind that vulnerability is, a, is like a muscle. Uh-huh. Vulnerability and courage are like muscles that need to be exercised. And if you don't use them often, guess what? You lose them. You, you lose them. So it's like a muscle, you know, when you go to the gym and you, and you work out and you're strengthening your muscles, courage is pretty much the same thing. If you don't practice it, if you don't take risks in life, if you don't do things with vulnerability and out of fear, things won't, you won't ever have a challenge that makes you stronger. You won't ever feel stronger. You won't ever feel like you can take on bigger challenges. Right. So I always see it as that. I see it as it's resilience is really about developing the the courage to keep going and to face on the challenges when they come into your life. Because guess what? Again, problems are always going to be in our lives, right? They're always going to be there in some shape or form and some even bigger than and smaller than others. And it's our, one of our biggest constants, I would say is, is that right challenges and problems that we'll always have them no matter what we can always count on them to be in our lives and i think if we accept that and if we if we accept it from a place of okay now i'm going to use my courage i'm going to use the vulnerability the moments where where i've been vulnerable and i've been able to use my courage and i've been able to act on that vulnerability and on that fear i'm going to do that again because right. it worked for me last time uh-huh. you know? and it's it's something also to keep in mind is is these moments of resilience, these moments of of developing resilience and, and, and courage are moments that we'll we'll always have in our lives in some shape or form. Right. They yeah. Will always be in our lives. And that's just to me, that has been my biggest lesson in all of this is that no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you go through things, and then suddenly you've found a solution and you've worked through your problems. The next day you have a whole new set of problems and you have to face them with that courage because again, it's that muscle that you're working on. You're building it, you're building it and you're making it stronger so that when your problems come back again, or when a whole new set of problems come into your life, you know exactly how to deal with it. You know that you'll be okay. You know that you're becoming a stronger person because of those problems and because of those experiences that maybe in that moment make you feel like you can't keep going or make you feel like you're not strong enough to keep going. But it's those experiences, it's that vulnerability that makes us a, makes us stronger individuals later in life. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I've learned that, but I've also learned in, in, in terms of resilience, in terms of how I stay resilient, something very simple, gratitude. Gratitude, yes. Gratitude. I believe that gratitude breeds abundance. If you lead a, a life of gratitude, if you're grateful for things that happen, even the bad things that happen, mm-hmm. if you're grateful for the things that that come into your life and the people that come into your life, you will be you'll have more of that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. to me, gratitude breeds abundance. The more things that we're grateful for, the more things that we show gratitude for, the more the universe will deliver that into our lives. So. I don't know if that is a way of being resilient, but in a way to me it is because it's a way of seeing the world through different lens. Instead of seeing the world in a, in a place of lack, in a place of scarcity, of we don't have enough, we're not enough, we didn't do enough, we didn't deliver, we didn't feel enough. It's coming from a place of abundance. It's coming from a place of, I did just enough. I did do that. I did a good thing. I did a good job. I am pretty enough. I I did a great job on this exam. I did a great job with this project. I did the best mm-hmm. that I could. And being grateful for that. And being grateful for the for the opportunity 
to even be in the game, to even be able to, to deliver, to be able to feel, to be able to be around people that can make our lives better. To me, it's about gratitude. I mean, I, I practice it every day of my life. That's when good. Yeah. I speak to my friends. I always say thank you. I always say I appreciate you. I appreciate you being in my life. Um, thank you for, for, for being there. Thank you for offering that word of advice, that little bit of wisdom. I appreciate it. I appreciate the experiences that happen. I don't always do it immediately, but I do it in hindsight. So even if it's been a challenging moment and I've gotten through it, I always look back and I think, you know what? I'm glad that happened. I'm glad that happened because it gave me wisdom. It gave me courage. It gave me strength. It, it, it again, made me exercise that muscle of, of courage, you know? So I think mm -hmm. that's so important. I think it's something that needs to be talked about more. It's, it's gratitude. It's just being grateful for the experience itself mm -hmm. and grateful for the fact that we're here, that we're alive, that we're breathing, that our hearts are beating. I mean, that's enough to be grateful. That's the greatest thing <laughs> that, you know, mm -hmm. that we're alive, we're breathing and be grateful for that. Yeah. So that, I, I think that very much is a part of resilience, you know, because when you see the world through the, through that lens and through the, the eyes of someone who's grateful of gratitude, you see the world with abundance, and you, you see do. more opportunities and you see the world through maybe a bit of a being resourceful of, um, of being someone who knows that, okay, maybe things might not be working for me now, but they will. And I'm going to figure out a way to make it work. And if it doesn't work this time, I'm going to make it work the next time. Because again, everything is about finding the right moment and, and being grateful for that moment, even when it's not perfect. Exactly. And and I love that, even though when it's not perfect, but life sometimes may not be perfect. It never is going to be perfect. There's always going to be challenges. There's always mm -hmm. going to be roadblocks and obstacles that we all are going to face. But I love when you said, you know, of course, gratitude, the affirmations that every single day that you are affirming to yourself, you know, it is so powerful and how that really sets us up for the a beautiful, powerful day. And I mean, I do affirmations, gratitude, journal, uh, first thing in the morning. And I think it's an absolutely powerful. And Zuleika, I really want to commend you because everything that, you know, the adversity, the trauma that you have faced, I just want to congratulate you because you've just gone on to be a true inspiration. And this is just so amazing, um, you know, what you're sharing with us. Because adversities um, also, can you share with us how disabled people can go on and inspire the world in your view? I know you just touched on being grateful um, but how can disabled people continue to be an inspiration in the world today? Like in your view? Well, I think it's, it's a very personal decision. And I right. think, yeah. One thing that I say to people and that I, I think it, it, it's a very common misconception and, and stereotype is that disabled people are all meant to be inspirational and we're not. I think. Why do you say that? Well, because I think, I think it's putting people in a box, you know, it's saying you're disabled. So that means you're inspirational. And I think it's, we're not all here to be inspirational or to motivate other people. You know, we're just living our lives and in the best way that we can. And yes, we've learned things along the way, but so has everyone else, you know, mm -hmm. and that's something that I chat, I, I, we speak about often with others is that if I'm inspirational, it's because of how I reacted to right. my accident and to my mm -hmm. disability but it's not because I am disabled it's it's how I reacted to my disability it's how I embraced it it's how I met the challenges that came oh, along yes. the but it's not the fact that I'm disabled that makes me that makes me an inspiration I think to say that all disabled people are inspirational is in fact I'm not saying it isn't true. I'm saying maybe there are some disabled people who don't want to be labeled inspirational, you know, because mm -hmm. not everyone is on that mission to be in an in inspiration just because they're disabled, you know. So I think it's a very common, in a way, very common thing to say, well, you're disabled, so that means you're an inspiration. 
I recently heard actually a story online, a video, I watched a video of a man saying that he was at the gym and he was very much inspired by a woman who was at the gym and she was disabled and she was on a wheelchair and she was lifting weights. And he said, he just stood there staring at her and he said, wow, what an inspiration because here's this woman in a wheelchair and she's lifting weights and you know, there are people out there who never exercise and he just thought it was so inspirational. So he went up to her and he said, you know, you're such an inspiration because you do this. And she looked up at him and she said, why? I'm just working out. I don't think I'm an inspiration. I'm just working out like you're working out. Why? Yeah. What makes uh-huh. me different? Okay. And so nice. So it was, it was an interesting interaction and a very realistic one in that disabled people are I'm not speaking for the disabled community, by the way. I'm just speaking from my experience of it and what I see is that we don't all fall under that category, under that umbrella of because we're disabled, we're automatically labeled an inspiration or we're automatically labeled motivational because there are many people who are fine not having that label, you know, not having that, that sort of, um, that stamp, you know, of you're an inspiration because you're disabled. I think it, again, it 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 depends on the person. It depends on their story, mm-hmm. and it depends on on how they lived that story, and and it's 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 a very personal thing. You know, it's a very personal thing. And I think when I see a disabled person here in Lugano, and we speak about our disabilities, and we sort of trade war stories, and you know, we we talk about our experiences, I feel inspired by them because I know what it's like to really take on a challenge like that and to struggle. And I know what it's like to be that sad and to be that alone with a disability. And I see them as an inspiration for different reasons, but I don't think that's the label that they always wanna have. I don't think that's what they automatically wanna be seen as just because they're disabled. If you sit down and have a coffee with a disabled person and you learn about them and you learn about their story and you learn Mm -hmm. about who they are, Right. And you still feel that they're an inspiration. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's wonderful. But I think that is something that I think maybe should be more put into light and, and, and it should be something that maybe should be talked about more is that see them as an inspiration, not because they're disabled, but because of their journey. The journey with that yeah. disability. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And the reason why I bring that question is because I was watching, it was on America's Got Talent and they brought on um, a disabled guy. He mm-hmm. had gone through seven foster homes. Wow. So what an, for me, what an inspiration story. And he was such an inspirational. He got on to made it into the finals. So for me, that story of being a person who's been in seven foster care homes and mm-hmm. finally he was... Um, brought into a home by a very loving woman she cared for him and she really saw a potential so he began so on america's america's got talent he was showcasing like his you know upper strength like he had no no limbs so for me seeing what he's able to do you know lifting weights and how you know no having no limbs really for me, was an inspiration. So yes. this is why that question for me uh, came about. How yes. do disabled people view the world and how they can be an inspiration? Because uh-huh. for me, that was an inspiration. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, and, and I think it, it it really is a choice. It really is. It depends on, you know, the person. And it's an, it's an individual choice, whether they want to use their story as as a message you know, as, as a learning tool and as a source of inspiration. I think there are some people who, who really, who really want to be on that platform and who really want to speak about their journey because they know that it will help others. And I think, I think at the end of the day, to be honest, I think we're all an inspiration to each other. I have many friends that inspire me every day and they're not disabled. I think we can always find inspiration in each other in in how not not just in how we react to things, not just in how we cope, but in 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 how we lead our lives every day. 
you know yeah, definitely and, oh yeah absolutely it's how you know we can all be an inspiration yeah. uh, but Zuleika this has been such an amazing conversation you know sharing with us how you know we should not always be labeled and how mm -hmm. we can you know see light at the end of the tunnel and by seeing that light is to help others and create that awareness as you are creating an awareness of the disabled community, but creating yes. awareness in general, how we can be an inspiration to so many people. And well, I think every single day. Yeah, I think um, it's important to create awareness, I think, for the disabled community, because I think not a lot is 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 um, discussed about it. I think again, we are either labeled an inspiration or disabled people in sports, you know, and there's this whole, there's this amazing world of, of opportunity that exists, you know, in the disabled community. And I think it's also important to speak about the everyday, you know, the everyday mm -hmm. people, the everyday people who, who go through life, like I'm not in sports, I don't do sports, I'm not in, in anything major, um, but I love to travel. Mm -hmm. I love to I love to speak to people. I love to meet people. I love to exchange stories. I love to hear what other people have been through. Right. I love to do community service. Um, I love to connect. Right. And I think these are all very, very much human emotions and human connections, you know? And I think at the end of the day, we're all about the same thing. We all want to be loved. We all want connection. We all want certainty in our lives and we all want to feel like we're contributing in some way. And whether you're disabled or not, I think you can say that you share that, that feeling, you share that want, you share that need to, to love, to grow and to contribute. Absolutely. And I think thing that's very important to keep in mind, even with the disabled community, you know, that um, I've traveled quite a bit and I've seen how disability is seen in other countries and how other cultures um, react to disability. And some have been incredibly kind and others a little bit more maybe hesitant because maybe it isn't something they understand, you know, as much, or it isn't something that they've been exposed to in that culture. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I try to be very understanding of that. I try to be very empathetic and sympathetic to that because again, it's not my culture, it's not, it's not where I come from. And I can't expect everyone to embrace disability the same way that I do or that my friends do or the people that I love do. So I think we always have to see the world with a little bit of kindness, you know, with a little bit of empathy that even the, the people that won't understand us, the people that won't understand disability, it's coming from someplace, you know, mm -hmm. it's coming from a, a very valid, sometimes very valid reason. And I think we have to be mindful of that. We have to be aware of that. Um, but and I say that to the disabled community as well, as as a as a word of advice, you know, is to keep that in mind, um, because it's very easy to put yourself in a place of um, being offended right. or feeling judged or feeling stereotyped by someone else. It's very easy to be put in that place, and I've been there many many times of being labeled of being stereotyped because of my disability. And once I see that with a little bit of empathy and a little bit of kindness and understanding like, okay, where's this person coming from? Why are they seeing me this way? Uh -huh. I think it's easier to accept it. It's easier to see that it's not, it's it's a bigger picture than that. And and that's definitely something that I would I would leave as a as a message, as a positive message to everyone, but also to the disabled community, you know, that um it's you know every everyone is different and everyone is coming from a different place and from a different experience and from a different set of conditioning and programming and, and a background and a culture and I think we have to keep that in mind and, and how we're seen as disabled people we definitely have to keep that in mind and that makes it easier for us too you know because then we see the world as okay well it's not about me it's, it's not personal right it's not personal how I'm being perceived by others exactly Zuleika, this has just been amazing. Great conversation. You are just, um, you know, you're just absolutely fantastic. And Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. My final question, and I like to ask this to all my guests, 
three mm-hmm. truths, right? It's like three lessons mm-hmm. of everything that you have accomplished. And I'm sure there's so much more that you will be accomplishing. If tomorrow all your files were deleted from all your teachings, mm-hmm. what would you say are the three lessons you want people to take away? The three lessons that I want people to take away. Let's see. Well, definitely number one is the gratitude. Gratitude breeds abundance. I think if you can find things to be grateful for, things that give you joy, things that make you make you want to get up in the morning, I think you have already won the game if you can do that every day. Um, my second one is courage equals vulnerability and vulnerability equals courage. I think to do anything in life, you need a little bit of, you need a little bit of courage. And again, it's a muscle. Uh-huh. It's a muscle. You have to use it. You have to practice. You have to face your fears and your challenges the best way that you can. And I'm not saying run out and do it all at the same time. Start small. Right. Baby steps. Start small baby steps. Tackle uh-huh. one thing at a time. But if you don't use that muscle, guess what? It disappears. And then you will turn back and you will look back in your life and you'll realize that you didn't do anything worth living for or that you didn't take enough risks. So for me, courage and vulnerability, those are at the top of my game. And the minute I start to feel like I haven't done enough or I'm feeling a little bit stagnant, I think, okay, what can I do to make myself get out of that comfort zone? What can I do today that's a little bit out there for me, that's taking me outside of that um, of that state of comfort or that state of, of, you know, just being stagnant of being still. And what can I do that I, I I'm scared of at the moment. And, and I, and I, and I try to do it and I try to take it on little bits, you know, bit by bit and step by step. So I would definitely say that, that that's important to keep in mind. And what's your number and three? Number three, let's see. <laughs> You've got fine-tuned vulnerability, courage, and your third one. The third one would be, the third one would be, I think would be um, practice self-love every day in however that you can. Mm. I think the biggest part of my journey has been that I've practiced self-love and creating boundaries every single day of my life. I do it every single day. I think learning to say no, Mm -hmm. learning to understand what makes you happy and what gives you peace is probably the most important thing that you can do in life. I think learning to say no is an art because we don't do it often. And often we get, we, we, we feel guilty or we feel like we need to say yes to make others happy. And I feel like creating boundaries has been for me, probably one of the greatest lessons I've learned in the past couple of years, creating boundaries and saying no to things that don't feed your soul that don't give you joy, that don't give you peace. So it could mean saying, for example, I don't really feel like going out tonight. So I'm going to stay home and read a book or exercise or make myself meal at home. So I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to say no to that event or I'm going to say no to that reunion or that party. And I'm going to do something that maybe gives me a little bit more peace tonight. So creating boundaries and saying no to things more often, I think is incredibly rewarding and liberating. And it brings us back to ourselves ultimately. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not to sacrifice, because if you don't say no, then you're just sacrificing yourself because you just want to make other people happy. But not to say that you're, you're going to be happy as a result because yes. it's a sacrifice you're just doing. Oh, okay, I'll just come with you. Yes. But then setting boundaries. Absolutely. I think very powerful. The art of saying no, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think when we commit to something, we automatically have to understand that when we commit to something, we're automatically having to say no to other things. And I think it's it's coming to terms with that, that you can't do it all. You can't say yes to everything and you can't be available for everything. You can't. That's okay. That's really okay to say no, to say that, you have other priorities and that those priorities are your health and your well-being and 
your self-care, your wellness, your beauty, you know, how, how you groom yourself, how you take care of yourself. Those are all things that are part of that, of self-care and love and, and taking care of that and giving yourself time to do those things. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Very, it's so important. very much. Absolutely. Zuleika, this has been such an inspirational conversation. And Guys, if you've truly enjoyed the conversation, thank you so much for tuning in. So truly appreciate your valuable time. Now, my guest today, Zaleka Tipesmada, which is an amazing conversation. Now, if you've enjoyed the conversations, but you have not subscribed to the channel, I want you to go ahead, subscribe to the channel if you are tuning in to other podcast platforms, leave us a review. Why? Because the bigger the guest, the bigger the impact we will make. So I really want to thank each and every one of you. And I want to thank my guest, Zaleka Tipesmana. She is incredible. And what I love about Zaleka is that You've got to be gratitude. You've got to have gratitude. You've got to be grateful for even the smallest because the smallest things will turn into bigger things. And does not matter the adversities that you are faced with, but to go on, to be a shining light, to be a beacon of light, to be an inspiration to so many people, not just a disabled community, but to be an inspiration to so many in the world. So to be grateful, to be vulnerable and courageous when the going gets tough, are you courageous enough to show your light? Are you courageous enough to be the person that you were meant to be? And to be of service to people, to be kindness, to be kind to you. At the end of the day is to be kind and gentle no matter what the struggles each and every one of us face. But what are we doing today to making sure that we become a better version and that we are a beacon of light, a shining light to so many people in this world. Zaleka, I truly want to thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Alka. It's been lovely to chat with you. I've had a wonderful time and thank you again for this opportunity. You're very welcome. So guys, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. If you've enjoyed the conversation today, I want you to subscribe to the channel and I want you to leave us a review. So thank you for joining As the Experts podcast. And I will see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you.